from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. And it was always recommended, don't push the kids into it. The kid's going to be unhappy, and it's not going to be a good outcome for the company either. Does it make things complicated that the, the customer comes in with all this, what they might think is knowledge? Like, I, I can find this on Amazon for X dollars. <laughs> that's an interesting, that's a very good question. One of the things that kind of bugged me about medicine, you're waiting on unhappy people. Yeah. Uh, and jewelry, you have this wonderful opportunity. You're waiting on happy people, people celebrating occasions, people celebrating themselves, people celebrating fashion. I'm Sarah Fenske. For 109 years, members of the Heffern family have been at the helm of St. Louis's Ellard Heffern Fine Jewelers, and that's now continuing to a fourth generation. Like his father, Webster Heffern has a background in science. In Webster's case, a degree from MIT. He's also a Ph.D. student at UMSL. But in recent months, Webster has begun joining his father, Kit, the company's president, in learning the ropes. Kit is now 73 and has been at the helm of Ellard Heffern Fine Jewelers for 50 years. Kit Heffern, welcome. Well, glad to be here. And Webster Heffern, welcome. Thank you. So, Kit, this has been a family business for more than a century. Uh, you got started in downtown St. Louis. This would have been your grandfather? Right. My grandfather started down in the uh, old Victoria building, and we were in that building for 59 years. And in 1972, they decided to tear the building down. It was next to the Mayfair, and we then moved out to Clayton. So at that point, you kind of had to find somewhere we new to go. We had to move, and at that point, uh, retail was moving out west yeah. in 72. And, um, and then... Um, and then we stayed ever since 1955. We've been upstairs. So we've had private rooms, sales rooms for clients so we can sit down and have a conversation with them without interruption. And we can take the needed time. So this isn't like a mall jewelry store oh, no. where I'm showing up <laughs> and someone's just trying to get me to spend my money as fast as possible. Oh, no. It's, it's a long-term relationship. We have many, many uh, clients have been there for as many as five generations. And uh, Webster will be the fourth generation for the Hefferns. And uh, it's a real treat because a lot of times people come in with jewelry that they purchase, their parents purchase, their grandparents purchase from us, and they try and figure out it was an anniversary or birthday. And uh, really, it's an emotional thing. People yeah. really enjoy jewelry and the emotional connections. And how cool that your customers also go back all these generations right. as well. So Webster, so many people, there's a family business and the son or the daughter just doesn't want to go into the family business. <laughs> you also had some plenty of other options. You know, you have this degree from MIT. You're getting a PhD, and the PhD is not in jewelry. What made you interested <laughs> in joining the family business? Well, honestly, it probably started with a little bit of sentimentality. Um, I didn't want to be that guy who just <laughs> let his family's business close. Uh, I um, and I, I. It took me a while to figure out a path by which uh, I could keep it open after my father's retirement. But I really thought, well, what about a business partnership? Uh, I'd love to keep my biology career alive as well as the store alive. So um, I will be, I guess, in the next 10 years looking for a great business partner. And I, I realized there is room 
for someone who thinks the way that I do in the business. There's actually a lot more intellect that goes into a lot of the processes than you'd, you'd think. That's interesting. So if we think of, of what you're studying and your academic background as being something so wildly different from this business, you don't see it that way at all. Not necessarily. Um, some of the, I mean, it, you'd be amazed some of the analyses that I can run on our client demographics, things like that. Uh, I generate some really cool graphs, some really interesting data on what sells, what kind of jewelry is selling, um, depending on how we decide to categorize it uh, so that we can choose the best jewelry for our current audience and for our, our audience moving forward. Uh, so I've, I've been able to apply a lot of what I've learned how to do through biology, et cetera, uh, to this business. So, Kit, you also have a background in science. Um, yeah. You had an engineering degree. You worked on the F-4 Phantom fighter jet. Right. I had an electrical engineering degree from Tufts University. And uh, I, when I, after I graduated, I went and worked for McDonnell Douglas. And I worked there just about a year, and then I changed over to the family business. And why was that? Well, I've always liked business, and I like science and engineering and academia. I don't know so much that I was crazy about it in practice. Yeah. (laughs) And um, so I started with my dad in uh, the spring of 72, 1972. And um, at first it was the business side, but with the jewelry, it's so pretty, and the people that you meet are so nice and generous. And um, so I really ended up liking the jewelry business way more than I initially anticipated. So you thought you would just be sort of, you know, thinking of it like a businessman, right. but then the artistry, the the, the beauty of these the jewels, art, yeah. it yeah. called to you. Correct. And, you know, we really, we have wonderful clients. Uh, they come back. Um, and I know it just, it's just fun to wait on them and uh, try and find the right item that she wants. And, you know, at the end of the day, make them both happy. She's happy she got it, and he's happy he gave it. Yeah. <laughs> Although it, it is tweaking a little bit right now. Some There's more business where women are buying for themselves. Probably when I first started, that wasn't so much of the business. But today, it's a much larger percent. That's interesting. And maybe she is able to choose exactly what she wants. There you go. No guessing. Yeah, exactly. That maybe presents some opportunities there. I feel like a a spreadsheet might help us understand what does she want. (laughs) That's interesting. Actually, I don't know if we've ever ever tried that. Uh, For women buying for themselves, what are they buying? Versus for men buying for women, what are they buying? Yeah. You're giving me ideas. (laughs) (laughs) But so, Kate, you've now been doing this 50 years. I imagine that's not the only change you've seen in that. Time. Oh, no, there's a lot that's been changed. Uh, gemstones, where they come from, uh, how jewelry is made has changed. Uh, the way, particularly in the last 25 years, there's been a lot of change with technology, computers, uh, the resources that both our, our clients have. They can now go and Google and see what's out there, or before they'd have to go to maybe six jewelry stores. Yeah. And so it's very different the way people shop and what's available to them. And also the information available to us uh, is we know almost on a daily basis where we are financially, what our inventory is. If I go back 40 years ago, we'd have to wait till the end of the year yeah. when we did inventory. Does it make things complicated that the, the customer comes in with all this, what they might think is knowledge? Like, I, I can find this on Amazon for X dollars. Right. <laughs> that's an interest, That's a very good question. I uh, was not prepared for that one. But yes, it, it, it's, to me, it's, it's easier in the sense that they've narrowed the focus. Because when you come into it, there's so many choices. There's so they huge... kind of know, okay, I have a sense of what I want because I've seen this. Correct. And that's a, that's a good starting point. 
And a lot of times, well, it's not exactly that. They want it set lower or higher or bigger or smaller. It's always more nuanced than just, I want that. Yeah. Do you have to do some education so that they can also understand, uh, you know, gems are, are unique. This isn't something that's sort of mass produced coming out of a factory. Correct. And that's one of the things. My father was the first graduate gemologist here in St. Louis. He thought it was important to know and to understand what he was selling. And uh, I was also a graduate gemologist many years later. And uh, so the fact that uh, we have people on staff that actually know the gemology of the gems, and we have a bench jeweler so that we have somebody how it's made. So we have access, I'd say immediate access to just about any question the customer would, would ask. So, Webster, your father was talking about how he initially was not that excited about the jewelry. He, <laughs> he liked the business opportunities. Is that kind of where you're at at this point? Actually, um, I guess my trajectory was almost the opposite uh, into the store. Uh, I, I really liked the jewelry. I really liked uh, the idea. So, for a while, I was, think I was taking a, a pre-med route. And um, this is before I got back into biology and was like, oh, that's, that's the science I really love. But um, it, one of the things that kind of bugged me about medicine, I know somebody, it's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. But you're waiting on unhappy people. Yeah. Uh, in jewelry, you have this wonderful opportunity. You're waiting on happy people, people celebrating occasions, people celebrating themselves, people celebrating fashion. Uh, and so that was that really drew me in. And then, of course, our jewelry is so beautiful and so style, stylish is not quite artistic. Yeah. It's, it's really artistic. It is stylish, but it, it, I think what really makes us stand out is the art. And I'm like, nobody else in St. Louis is doing this. Nobody in St. else in St. Louis is going to do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was exciting to you. Yeah, yeah. So, Kit, you've, you've prided yourself on working with some really top designers over the years, uh, making sure yes. that, that you're bringing something that's unique and, and something that's amazing. How do you go about finding these designers and, and getting them to want to work with you? Well, most of the designers, we'd either find them through a show or somebody would suggest they were in Miami or California someplace, they say, tell me, oh, you've got to meet this guy. He has great jewelry, he's a woman. And, um, and that's one way. Another way, uh, they would sometimes find us. They're also trying to grow as a business. And um, so eventually we meet. Sometimes it's not immediate, but over time, uh, we do cross paths. We, we play in the same yard. Yeah. We're talking today to Kit Heffern, who is the president of Ellard Heffern Fine Jewelers. They have been open in the St. Louis area for 109 years, started in downtown St. Louis. They've been in Clayton since 1972, now in your second location there in Correct. Clayton. Correct. We were in the top of the Sevens building on the 18th floor. Now we're in the Hanley Corporate Tower on the lobby level okay. next to uh, the uh, Capitol Grill. And I should also mention we're joined today by Webster Heffern. He is the fourth generation of Hefferns <laughs> to be working in this business. That's a relatively new thing, um, sort of joining his father, Kit, as Kit continues to be um, involved in this. Now, Kit, you brought some jewelry with you today. I'd love for oh. you to just tell us a little bit about these pieces. Oh, gosh. I did. Uh, I brought this jewelry because I used to talk to you the jewelry with having jewelry in front of me. I didn't know what you would be asking me. And I thought, well, if I bring jewelry, it'll... it'll focus my my answers yeah and these particular pieces I thought you might ask me you know who we do business with and who are some of my favorite designers so I picked some pieces that I think make great jewelry yeah I'd love uh, to hear much of it is handmade uh, this one piece is uh, uh, Peter Schmidt Zobel and he has a shop in Constance Germany it's all handmade once you know the jewelry it's recognizable mm -hmm. if you have only seen one piece you might not know 
but when you see the collection, it's very specific, and it's everyone's unique to each and every other piece. Hmm. And it's always fun to see. It's a beautiful bracelet. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. And then this other piece, the designer is Vernier. It's an Italian company. They make tend to make large scale, simple designs. They don't do small. They do, I'd say, medium, big, and oh my God. Yeah. And uh, but generally that's a clean. big ring. Yeah. Yeah. It's just clean, clean lines, not too fussy. This is Vendorfa. This is another uh, Italian jeweler. It's all hand-finished. It's uh, matte and hammered, and the diamonds are top-notch, and everything about it is pristine. And one thing about our jewelry, you can always turn it over, not just these, but any piece mm-hmm. in our shop. You can turn the piece over, and it's going to be just as pretty on the back as it is on the top. So I understand one thing that your store is particularly known for is the Y bracelet. Oh, the Y bracelet, yeah. yes. Can you tell us about that? How did your store come to sell that? Uh, a man named Eric Siebert designed the piece uh, back in the late 19, uh, late 1940s, around uh, 1950. And he would sell this piece to the fine jewelers across the company and also Tiffany. And, uh, and then we sold quite a few pieces uh, in St. Louis. And then there was a Sotheby's catalog in 1988, which is the Andy Warhol collection. So this whole catalog is Andy Warhol jewelry, and it's 40, 50 pages long, and there's multiple pieces on each page. Yeah. He obviously loved jewelry. But anyway, one of the pieces uh, that he was selling at auction was the Y bracelet. This particular piece was sold by Tiffany, not by Ellard Heffern. Uh, however, it's the same piece, the same mold, the same design. And um, so it just kind of kept the catalog. It, it really has a long history, and it's very specific, and it's very simple, it's, but it's large. Yeah. And it's heavy. Do you find people are still buying these Y bracelets we still today? Buy, sell the, we've sold the Y bracelet for, I guess, since 19, it was at 70 years. I'm sure we've sold over 100, maybe 150. I've really never kept track. Wow. But they're large, and they're simple. And they're very, very recognizable. We should mention that bracelet is named by, by, for the Y shape oh, of yeah. its links. So, yeah, if you ever see one out and about, you can be like, <laughs> I think that's a Y bracelet. Webster, hearing your father talk about jewelry, he's obviously so knowledgeable. You know, 50 years in a business <laughs> will will tend to do that to someone. Is it almost overwhelming sometimes to think about all that there is to learn? Um, yes and no. I, I Sometimes I feel like... Uh, I, I've gotten a head start. I grew up with him. So, uh, <laughs> like, one of the gifts that my parents gave me when I was a little kid was a bunch of semi-precious gemstones in a, in a box. And I love staring at them. I love playing with them. I love knowing their names. Um, and so I, th- I'd say the one thing he really knows so much about that I, where I could never catch up is estate jewelry, just the history mm. of – I mean, I can keep up with the new jewelry. Yeah. But you start talking about which jewelry came from the 60s, which jewelry came from the 70s. Who, who was designing then, why they were designing that way then, I don't know that. And, and he, it's can, a, he knows that just oh, looking really at does. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, just with a transition, a lot of it just time and practice and exposure. So he will learn it. Yeah. One nice thing about Webster that I think he has is better than me, he has a phenomenal color memory. Hmm. And particularly for gemstones, color is what it's all about. And having color memory is very helpful in evaluating things also remembering who had it because mm-hmm. sometimes somebody comes in and it's a very specific request, not typical. And with color memory, you can remember, so, oh, I saw it at a show. And you can remember, I remember I saw it at the show, but I not re- I not remember who yeah. showed it to me. So he has a good color memory, which is going to be very That's a real helpful. gift right there. Yeah. 
So he talked about it as a kid, sort of being introduced to elements of this. Were you at that point consciously thinking, hey, I'm the third generation. I want to make sure there's a fourth. No, not really. Uh, to me, it's always nice having the generations continue. But uh, my father always taught me is, you know, don't push. Yeah. You know, and also many business groups I've belonged to over the years, and a lot of them were family businesses, and it was always recommended, don't push the kids into it. The kid's going to be unhappy, and it's not going to be a good outcome for the company either. Yeah. If, if they love it, you're fortunate. <clears throat> Excuse me. If they love it, you're fortunate, but you can't push something that's not, that's not, not right for the, both the company and for the child. And so you, you held yourself back. You didn't push. I did not push. Exposed it, but not pushed. And so here you are. I mean, does this feel like kind of the, the happy ending you were hoping for, that you didn't push, and yet he jumped? Yes. I'm looking forward to the years ahead. I don't plan to retire. And uh, so I figure at some point either my body or my brain's going to tell me it's time to go. And uh, so... He, so while he's transitioning the business, I'll still be in it as long as I'm healthy. Yeah, so you intend to keep working, and that's not just for the next year. You see yourself there for... Right. Well, I've been there 50 years. We had one employee, Adi Giso, our designer, was hired by my grandfather. She graduated from Washington U in 1929 in jewelry art, and uh, my grandfather hired her then, and she retired in 1989 when I was president. So she was with the company 60 years. So I've got 10 more years to go. you got to top that. Yes. Yeah. So for Webster, are you looking forward to just being there, having this much closer relationship with your dad? You guys are going to be working together, and this could go on for quite some time. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he says he's going to work <laughs> until he's 80. So, uh, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't ever anticipate more than three full-time days a week. So, like I said, I do want to uh, – keeping the biology alive is very, very important to me. I You're going to get that PhD. Bo- yeah. I'm going to get that PhD and, and keep – like I, I would love to work for a startup or find some some biology job that allows me also to work three days a week. So it will likely never be more than that. But those three days, I do look forward to spending them working with him, developing the business together, figuring out what what is our trajectory. Yeah. Like, yeah. And for the next generation of Ellard Hefford, is this something that could go to the fifth? Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> uh, I will say we uh, just began an adoption process. Uh, well, sort of. We started looking into it on Saturday. Okay. So that maybe, maybe. We'll see. Uh, but again, no pressure. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Pressure is not a fun place to be. That's right. This, this is a family that has lived by that, and it has worked great. The very fact we're in the fourth generation. Who am I to start putting pressure on here? So, there you go. Yes. I guess you have to ask the question. I have to ask the question. And I'm, I'm delighted to hear this could be a future plan. So... Kid Heffern, I want to thank you so much for joining us well, today. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed it, and you're, you've been wonderful. Thank you. Well, you have been wonderful, too. So, <laughs> And Webster Heffern, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. This episode was produced by Danny Wisentowski with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. 
and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.